Hey everybody, welcome back to the Nick's Infinite Playlist Podcast, a show where we always talk about something because something's always on. I'm your host, Nick Hogan, and with me for the first podcast in 2020 is a very special guest, Tiffany Chang, or uh, you may know her as Tiffany C. Lockhart. Tiffany, introduce yourself to the people. Hey, hi everyone. My name is Tiffany. My last name is Chang, but my goal for go under a professional pen name called Tiffany C. Lockhart, which I have been writing under for quite a while, actually. And yeah. I, um, I used to write for a site called TV Overmind, but now I self-publish on a site called Lockhart Reviews. And if you want to check that out, feel free to Google me. Awesome. Um, so your... Um, for Lockhart Reviews, you're still reviewing Legends of Tomorrow, are you not? Yes, I am. Great. Um, so that'll take us right into our segue for our uh, current topic is Legends of Tomorrow. So the first things first, uh, they just wrapped up Crisis on Infinite Earths. What are yes. your thoughts? Well, I've watched all five parts, obviously, and I have to say it is the crossover of all crossovers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also it kind of ended on a somewhat bittersweet note with um, Oliver Queen's death. Mm-hmm. And my thoughts on it, um, well, the first few, uh, three or four parts were really good. Mm-hmm. And there were twists that I literally didn't see coming. Like uh, at the end of the fourth part, uh, Lex Luthor kind of integrated himself as the paragon of truth to take mm-hmm. the place of Superman. Mm-hmm. I was like, what? <laughs> Lex Luthor doesn't exactly stand for truth, yep. but he did it anyway. <laughs> so I'm like, damn you, Lex Luthor. <laughs> um, and then the fifth part where they wrapped everything up, it, I don't know, it just kind of felt a little confusing to me. Like during the big fight scene at the, um, at the dawn of time, mm-hmm. I was like, why are they all standing below the cliff thing? It's like, I said that in my review as well. It's like, they're all standing like right there. And then Oliver's up there on the cliff fighting the anti-monitor. And I was like, okay, where, what is happening? Is like, and isn't there supposed to be some sort of like, I don't know, special effect or something where they all combine their our powers or strengths to help <laughs> Oliver defeat the anti-monitor is like it was a little anticlimactic for yeah. me when I watched that scene. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't think that Crisis on Infinite Earths was the best crossover they've done. Um, there were a lot mm-hmm. of stuff. There's a lot of stuff that I liked. Um, yeah. So there's. There were uh, lots of cool cameos by people from the 1988 Batman, Burt Ward from Batman 1986, Clark Kent and Lois Lane from Smallville. Uh, That was pretty cool. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, Even using Brandon Ruth as as Kingdom Come Superman was awesome. Uh, Kevin Conroy. that was awesome. Kevin Conroy as Batman was really cool. Um, Yeah, it was nice seeing him. And uh, and of course, uh, your friend Lucifer made a made an appearance. Uh, yes, as well. yes, yes. That was that was. I wasn't expecting that. I was like, I was like, oh my god, it's. <laughs> um, and so I thought all that was cool, and I was really blown away when they used um, when they used Ezra Miller in the in 
the Speed Force when uh, uh, Barry Allen from the Arrowverse ran into Ezra Miller from the Justice League movies. Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) That was was really cool. cool. Uh, So, you know, but I I don't think the story was perfectly executed. Um, I thought Uh, there was a really beautiful tribute to Oliver at the Mm -hmm. end there. Yeah. Um, So there's a lot of it that went well. But I was just, mm-hmm. in terms of the overall story, it seemed like it was kind of thrown together. Um, I thought the, mm. like you mentioned, the last battle with the anti-monitor was was just kind of weird. Um, yeah, it just <laughs> felt really weird. It's like, was, what uh, am I watching right now? I was I mean, joking. It's supposed to be the crossover <laughs> to top all the other crossovers. But then when I got to that scene, it's like, um, what are you doing? Yeah. And, uh, you know, Anti-Monitor, like, I, I think I tweeted about this, but he just, like, grew big out of nowhere. And yeah. I was like, it's like yeah, he's playing yeah. Power I, Rangers. Yeah. Uh, I... <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so some of it, I just thought, you know, the story-wise, I thought it was a little flimsy. I still think the best mm. story that they've done for a crossover might be uh, Crisis on Earth X from a couple years ago. Oh, yeah, that, that was pretty good. Um, and it just, you know, the emotional payoffs, they've always done a good job with the when characters die and the emotional payoffs and the mm-hmm. tribute to those characters. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Just, just some of the stuff that they, especially in the end there, I was just like, really? Um, it yeah. wasn't, it wasn't my favorite crossover, but I still really enjoyed watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, you have any other there's thoughts on that? There's definitely some room for improvement, I guess. I, although it's the final crossover, so I don't think they'll be doing any more unless they plan on crossing over the rest of the DC shows. I mean, there are some new ones coming, so yeah, and I, maybe I think they're integrated into that. Probably. I think they will. Um, I don't think they're going to give up on the crossover just because Arrow is over. Um, mm, yeah, and so I mean, they've they've already greenlit Superman and Lois. Um, which is mm-hmm. pretty big, and there, there there could be Green Arrow and the Canaries, um, and Star Girl is premiering in a couple months. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they're going to have nothing. It might just be a new thing that they do, and it's they've, there's a lot more possibility for smaller crossovers too. Now that they're all on Earth Prime, uh, you know, with mm-hmm. S- Supergirl and all of that being on the same Earth as everyone else. Um, that's a pretty, it's, it's opening up that avenue for crossover a little bit more, yep. uh, mm-hmm. black lightning. Like, yeah. So mm-hmm. I really think that, uh, there'll still be crossovers and probably like the flash will lead them for a while. And then of course they mm-hmm. have, they have Superman, uh, coming in to the fold. So yeah. I don't yeah. think it'll be too long before, um, there's another big crossover and they probably just want to go. I don't know what I'm not super familiar with the comic story, so I don't know where they're going to go next, but me uh, neither. So we'll just wait and see what happens with that. Yeah. Yeah. But I think there'll be more crossovers and hopefully they'll uh, get some opportunities mm-hmm. to improve uh, yeah. those crossovers. Mm-hmm. So um, segueing just a little bit. Uh, so then we're recording this the week after the season five premiere outside of mm-hmm. ISIS of legends of tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So tell me about yeah. that. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I watched the episode, obviously, and it was kind of okay, mm-hmm. sort of. 
I mean, it's just like it kind of felt like the episode of Bones where like a documentary person was following the team around and they all tell them what they do and <laughs> the process for doing it, yada yada yada. And it kind of felt like that, but mm. you know, in Legends of Tomorrow style, of course. Right. And um, the whole thing with Rasputin is like. <laughs> I don't know what. Yeah, um, it's kind of silly. What we were thinking was we go with Rasputin. I was like, okay. <laughs> First he was like dead, and now they kind of brought him back as this immortal zombie. And like, um, it come. It was kind of like a sweat drop moment mm-hmm. when I saw Rasputin, you know, rise up from his um, coffin or whatever. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, and. Um, I don't know. I just kind of felt like eh, it was kind of not as good as the other season premieres, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah, and, for sure. Yeah. And although there were some scenes in the season five premiere, that kind of grossed me out. Like when Constantine <laughs> kind of shoved oh, yeah. like a s- small jar of, you know, liquid raspy and I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's like, I'm going to be sick. Oh yeah, that was gross. Yeah, that was very gross. <laughs> um, like, thanks a lot, show. Thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I didn't think. Um, I thought perhaps the the strangest bit, or pro- the part that I didn't like the most, uh, just was that uh, they kind of undermined the whole going public at the very end of it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they, the documentary premiered, and everybody's like, "Oh, this is great! Like, tell us about this for real." And then they were like, "Yeah, it's fake." and i kind of thought people knowing that it was real might present a more interesting challenge Mm -hmm. Um, you know that uh they might be able to shake up the formula just a little in an interesting way Mm -hmm. Uh, but instead they just they kind of diminished that so that they could get back to the formula and i'm I don't think that the formula doesn't work because mm-hmm. the more people I talk to, the more of them say legends is their favorite DC show. Mm-hmm. Um, and with good reason, but some of it was just, just felt a little hollow to me. Yeah. It's just like, they kind of throw in some stuff at the last minute. It's like, Ooh, let's put this in. See works. Yeah, exactly. Um, kind of like a, like a trial and error kind of thing. It's like, mm-hmm. Didn't you do this like before you, you know, edited everything together? <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I think that there's room for improvement, but I also am excited for what's next because yeah. they'll probably just get back to the formula now. You know, they've got their mm-hmm. team, they've got their yeah. few little plot threads um, that mm-hmm. they'll follow, and now they'll they're just going to be able to be the legends and and have fun, and that's really what mm-hmm. that's the show's sweet spot anyway. Yep, definitely. Um, so tell me this: it, Do you think that and I, I haven't read this anywhere? I haven't been able to find info on this. Do you think that Mona is leaving the show for good? Um, I honestly don't know. I mean, I asked this uh, on my review as well. It's like. Please don't tell me that Mona is leaving. Right, and uh, but, I wondered if it's I haven't really, I haven't really heard heard anything, mm-hmm. like either on Twitter or on elsewhere that she's leaving the show. Yeah. So I don't really know. Maybe she might not be in a few episodes, right? And then come back after. I don't know. 
Yeah, and I, there hasn't been much news about it, and I and I don't get the sense that Mona's everyone's favorite character. Um, mm. But there, I wondered if there was like a maybe like a contractual thing or something where they can't pay the actor that when she hulks out that plays her, because um, <laughs> that's that's pretty obviously a, a muscular man um, mm-hmm. and not the same actress. So. Um, I don't know. I don't know. But I also wondered maybe if she would just do some like video calls with, with Rory over the Rebecca mm-hmm. silver name, uh, something like that. But I was mm-hmm. just, I was kind of thrown by it cause I wasn't expecting that, but maybe yeah. just thinking that the wave riders getting too crowded and they got, um, I'm starting to think that at the end of last year, they weren't sure if they would get Constantine back. And mm-hmm. so once they did, they were like, well, we got to open up some room on, the wave rider and yeah. and so maybe that Mona's going to be in and out and then um that kind of brings me to the last point i had on our outline here which is um both brandon ruth and courtney ford are leaving legends of tomorrow during mm-hmm. season five yeah so i wonder maybe when they're gone if that will open you know a bedroom or two for for mona and for somebody else mm-hmm. um but what are your thoughts on that? What do you think about uh, Ray and Nora's exit? Well, Ray has been with the legend since kind of the beginning. Mm-hmm. So to see him leave was like a bit of a shock, actually. Yeah. As figured he'd stay for at least for the current season. And if he wants to leave the next season, then sure, he can do whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the case of Nora, um, we haven't really seen much of her, to be right. honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, she spent most of the time being, you know, uh, possessed by this uh, demon thing, thanks yeah. to her dad. Mm-hmm. And um, after the whole fairy godmother thing last season, she has been kind of MIA on the wave rider for quite a while so i don't know what's going on with her and if she will ever make an appearance in the current season but i guess we'll see yeah they showed some some footage of her um when they were talking yeah. with ray but and yeah. it sounds like she's still going to be around for part of the season and so mm-hmm. what i what i wondered is be, is if um first of all i have to say that i, I love that that they're dating on the show because they're married in real life um, yep, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah um, it's awesome that. Yeah. But I, I also wondered since the, since they're involved, I wondered if their departures are connected. Um, you know, if they if they decide to, you know, elect to leave the Wave Rider and do mm-hmm. something else, and so that that opens up some possibilities just in terms of, um, you know, I think. First of all, Crisis was pretty obvious that they were setting up Ryan Choi to be the new Adam. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if Osric Chow joins the show before the end of the year. Um, and then, you know, so so I think there's a lot of creative ways they can go with it. And hopefully it doesn't result mm-hmm. in like Ray's death, you know? Because, yeah, uh, we don't need another character <laughs> death. It's like, right. um, Oliver is tragic enough. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I don't I don't um, expect that. I don't expect mm-hmm. him to die, and I think that's probably because he could pretty easily be written off the show 
with Nora and they could be a happily ever after for them. And maybe we could mm-hmm. see Ray uh, on occasion. Uh, yeah, that would be that ideal. Would, that would be nice. Yeah, that would be nice actually. And maybe Brandon Ruth will come back as, as uh, Superman too. So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) so um, do you have any other thoughts on Ray, Nora, season five premiere crisis, anything that you want to share before we move on? Mm, None that I can think of. Okay. Chugging right along. Um, Our next segment is called infinite playlist. So this is a chance for Tiffany and I to share some things with everyone that just that we're enjoying right now. It can be uh, something we saw recently that we liked, something that we're in the middle of watching or reading or, or whatever. Um, I just want to give everyone the opportunity to share some recommendations. So Tiffany, what are you loving right now? I am actually really loving the mass singer which I have seen since its premiere. Oh, yeah. And when um, when I watched the first episode, like the premiere episode, I was like, okay, this is kind of like similar to the one they were doing in China. Because I was like browsing YouTube and I saw like a clip that they did have this show called The Masked Singer in China. Yeah. So I figured it'd be like a, well, not a spinoff, just like a version of that. Well, what I didn't expect is that they got people from like pretty much all walks of life. Well, I'm guessing in China, they probably just got like just um, people in the music industry. Well, as the one in America, they got like athletes, uh, singers, actors, pretty much everybody in the entertainment industry. So that was pretty cool. And it was hilarious to um, see listen to those that aren't really musically gifted try their best to (laughs) sing the songs that they chose to sing yeah while wearing this like elaborate costume (laughs) it was it was was pretty interesting yeah yeah um i haven't watched much of that show but um Mm -hmm. i think you'll recall when i was on twitter earlier this year and i i heard just a little bit of a clip and i said Mm -hmm the Fox is Wayne Brady and I'm a hundred percent sure. And it took forever for everyone else to catch up to me. Um, but you know, my, (laughs) my brothers and I, we didn't have, um, we didn't even really have cable for a long time when we grew up. So Mm -hmm. we watched a ton of like, whose line is anyway would air late at night. Um, and we would watch a ton of those episodes. And so as much whose line as, as my brothers and I watched, um, we were sure we were hundred percent sure that Wayne Brady was behind that Fox mask. Uh, yeah. And sure enough, we were correct. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um, I just, I think that's funny because some people, uh, you know, uh, that maybe haven't experienced so much of, of a similar person they're they're listening and they're going, well, is it, well, who is it? Um, and they're kind of yeah. Di- it's kind of difficult to tell because Wayne Brady, when he sings, it's kind of a little bit similar to Jamie Fox. So at first, that's what I was thinking that the Fox is Jamie Fox because you know Fox is Jamie Fox, right? But then I kind of listened to it a little closer and was like, nope, that's Wayne Brady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's uh, you know, um, I played a Who's Line clip and closed my eyes just to be sure. But uh, mm. it was definitely Wayne Brady. 
And, uh, but you know, I, I don't fault people for doubting because, uh, for one, there's nobody in the world who's watched as much Who's Lines in any way as I have. Um, Mm -hmm. and also, you know, uh, Chris Daughtry was, uh, was on the show this season and I definitely watched him on American Idol, Mm -hmm. but, um, I didn't really recognize his voice. I doubted myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. there were several other people where I was like, well, I could see that or, you know, Drake mm-hmm. Bell crossed my mind. Um, cause they have kind of similar, they sounded kind of similar. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's really easy to confuse like one singer with another because their voices are similar. Right. And that's the whole draw of the show. Is it like, well, you know, who is it? Um, yeah. but I've, I've, I need to retire from watching it just because I was right about Wayne Brady on the first try. So I just need to, I need to go out on top. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah i'm just hanging up the cape i'm done <laughs> <laughs> um you know but I, I actually we uh it's been on before and i didn't really watch it this time but i did keep up with it and it mm-hmm. was more interesting than i expected so i might be watching some yeah yeah and they're premiering the new season like right after the super bowl yeah, and it's, that's also yeah. that's a good thing to mention. Uh, so the seasons are like Dancing with the Stars, where there's like two in a regular TV season. Yep. So Mass Singer will have season. Was it season three of the Mass Singer that finished? Or yeah, was it? season. It was season two that finished. So season okay. three will start like right after the Super Bowl. Okay. On Sunday. So it was at mid-season last year, and then um, then it was on the fall for season two, and then now it's season three in the spring. So that's how it's, it's like dancing with the stars where there's a whole season in the fall and then it ends. And then there's a new season in the spring, mm-hmm. um, which is not the case with everything. And sometimes people don't know how TV works. So, um, <laughs> yeah, but they just watch it anyway for the sake of watching it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so most people are casual TV viewers and not, and not like us where, where it's uh, more of a religion. Um, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. we watch TV, TV like religiously. It's like we don't. If it's a show that we love and want to like invest in, it is like we watch every single week. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So that. Um. Thank you for sharing that. Um. Yeah. The thing that I chose to talk about is that I've just started a binge of Friday Night Lights. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a show that I've never really seen before. Um, but I was, so I'm kind of motivated because I don't really want to pay for another streaming service. And a bunch of the mm. NBC shows are going to the Peacock streaming service when it launches in July. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple of NBC shows that I've been wanting to watch for a long time. So I'm just doing it right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so that it like, so that they can't tempt me with their, with their streaming service because I have too many already. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so I started the binge of Friday Night Lights and I was surprised at uh, at how much I liked it because I don't really always love those kind of dramas. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that I like about it is the football backdrop just because um, I kind of live I live in Southern Indiana and that's a little bit of a Friday night lights kind of place. It's not like Texas. Mm -hmm. It's not as taken as seriously as it is in Texas, but um, there are a lot of towns in Indiana that shut down and for their football games every Friday night. And Mm -hmm. there's a certain quality of person that you find in these places. And so I see a lot of that being in Southern Indiana. 
And so I'm, I'm in a slightly more populated area, but uh, there's surrounding towns that are pretty close to that. And so um, I guess it's an experience I can relate to. Um, and I also, some people know this about me and some people don't, but I um, teach business classes, management classes and leadership classes, um, mostly online for a couple of different colleges. And I use a lot of examples from media. So for example, when mm -hmm. I teach management, I do, uh, Michael Scott gives some great examples of what not to do. Right. Yeah. So, uh, for my leadership classes, coach Taylor is going to be a great case study, um, just because of the way that he leads his team and there are different qualities to him that aren't common in television. And so it gives me another, uh, weapon to use. So that's pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always useful to draw something from like mainstream media or whatever and bring it into real life as examples. Yeah, I've seen a lot of that during uh, my university days. Yeah, and I think students really like that because it's it's connected. Yeah, because they can, it's something that they can relate to. Is they exactly. it's not you're giving them like a boring example of something that's generic. Mm -hmm. Whereas like everybody is just zone out when they hear it when they right. uh, and you reference something that's uh, related to pop culture, then they will immediately you know draw connections to it because you know it's on their screens almost every well, not on a daily basis but you know you know what I mean right yeah and I, I I've I've taught a few in person classes and I I would just show different episodes of different shows to make to illustrate my points instead of just lecturing talking all the time um mm. and i found that that was really helpful yeah so um is it is the mass singer on hulu is that um do you know uh, i'm not really sure if it's on hulu but it, if it's on i usually just watch it on tv because i don't really have a streaming service no that's okay um, so i just watch it on uh, either fox or ctv Okay. I, th I think it's on Hulu. Um, anyway, I was just going to say, so if you're interested in catching up on either of these shows, they're both on Hulu, but I don't know if Mass Singer's on there for sure. So yeah, I don't need that. Um, look, and if it's not, then don't get mad at me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so uh, do you have anything else you want to add about Mass Singer or Friday Night Lights or anything else? Uh, well, if I could just have one thing to say about a mass singer. I just have the slight yeah. bone to pick with the costumes for the new for the <laughs> okay. upcoming season. As like, yeah. okay, the first two seasons, the costumes were really well done. Well, except for the Black Widow, which they could have done a little better. But mm -hmm. I'm not gonna get into that. But I've seen the some of the costumes for the third season. Is like some of them are kind of okay, but the other ones is just like. Where were they on when they made that? <laughs> like, I've seen uh, one where like it's like a llama or something. Yeah. And the it the whole headdress thing it's it's really weird. It's like a giant llama head wearing like I think sunglasses if I remember correctly, and the llama has its tongue sticking out. It's like um, I mean I. I guessing they're <laughs> trying to make it look funny but it it i just like i was like looking at it like what were they thinking 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just uh, looks really ridiculous. That's pretty silly. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know where they get it, but at least it's, uh, I think the goal is probably for it to be attention getting right. Um, yeah, probably. To, yeah. To be ridiculous. Um, yeah. So I, I did manage to confirm, um, or at least according to a pretty reliable source in decider.com, uh, that the mask singer is in fact on Hulu. Yeah. So you won't have to deal with any virtual angry moms. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so if you're going to catch up, that's the place to do it. All right. So, um, that brings us into our final segment, which is called first time viewing. And so this segment is designed to take either the guest or the host through, um, talking about their first time watching a show or a movie or something. Um, so I did this once before, uh, where I watched alien for the first time. And so this time, uh, Tiffany and I talked about it. And so I picked uh, murder on the Orient express, which Tiffany had seen before, but I have not. So, uh, I knew that it was a remake and that it's based on an Agatha Christie novel, but, um, I didn't know much about it other than, than who was in the cast. Uh, and I missed out on it when it was in theaters. Um, and I've had the Blu-ray sitting on my shelf for a little while and just haven't watched it. So I did get a chance to watch it. Um, and I don't know, do, do you want to talk about it first? What are your, um, what did you think when you first saw it? Well, um, like you, I'm not too familiar with the story. I mean, I haven't even read the book. Right. I even went and got the book, but I haven't really read, started reading it yet. But mm-hmm. my first impression of it is like, of course, it's an Agatha Christie mystery. So, you know, there's going to be, you know, mystery involved. Right. And um, when uh, I can't really pronounce his name, it's like Puro. Puro. Poro, whatever, yeah. whichever works. Um, uh, heard about this uh, murder on the Orient Express. It uh, kind of intrigued me. It was like, is he gonna go and solve the case? Is he can you know question suspects? And um, during the process, it's like I had a feeling that I know who done it, but then towards the end of it, it's like, <laughs> holy crap. It was right. everybody yeah. that's on the train. It's like, yeah. It's kind of, well, not mind-blowing. It just kind of came out as, as a shock because murders is usually either one person or at least two people. It doesn't take, like, a large group of people to commit a crime. Yeah, exactly. Um, so... You know, uh, obviously, spoilers, but this book came out in 1934 and the mo- the first movie in 1974. So um, if you haven't caught up by now, sucks to suck. Anyway, um, the murder was committed by every person. That every suspect on the train uh, assisted in committing the murder. And so it, the, the story kind of presents itself as a whodunit, but it's not really that way it's a kind of discovery that that everybody was connected to this same uh this same case where the murderer who was played by Johnny Depp um got away with with murder and so they all happened to get him on this 
same train and um you know they they each had a hand in in doing away with him uh, because they were they were all equally distraught by the murder that he committed so um when i watched it for the first time i really didn't I might have to watch it again to really appreciate it more, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think I might have to do the same and also read the book. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah. because uh, the way that it's presented in the film, uh, you know, I, I wasn't really, really, really interested until the last 20 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, there's a lot of exposition and, you know, everyone's, con- they're slowly, Perot slowly reveals all of them's connections to this murder that Johnny Depp's yeah. committed. Yeah. And um, it's just, it just wasn't really done in a way that was, you know, for lack of a better word, it wasn't done in a way that was interesting. Um, yeah, so I, yeah. I got really bored. You know, I kept finding myself like wanting to play on my phone while I was watching it. Yeah. Um, and usually movies that are, that are really good hook me. They keep me, paying attention but for the last 20 minutes Mm -hmm. i don't i didn't look at my phone at all i was like wow um because i think the it presents itself as a murder mystery and so it's framed in that it's framed in a murder mystery style yeah but that's not really what it is um it's a story about justice and what is justice and whether Mm -hmm. justice is always you know is um justice always served by the law. And so mm. they get Poirot to solve this case, but then he, you know, he realizes Johnny Depp's character is a bad man who got away with a crime and these people didn't want him to get away with it. And so I don't think these people are bad people. And it's just that they took justice into their own hands rather than let law enforcement take care of it. Right. And so he has this moral dilemma of, you know, do I tell law enforcement the truth or is justice not telling them, you know, is justice to let this lie, to let him, Mm -hmm. let his murder go unsolved. Um, And that's really what the story is about, but it didn't really, Mm -hmm. there, it wasn't really framed that way. Yeah. It's just kind of like a one big buildup to like one giant conclusion Mm -hmm. that kind of ends on like a dilemma. Right. Sort of way. It's, it's not, um, you know, to compare it, I hate to compare it because Knives Out just came out this year and was so... Uh, Knives Out. I've been meaning to go see that. <laughs> it's a murder mystery, but it's brilliant. Yeah. And and it's yeah. there is there is a whodunit element and it's just so... But Ryan Johnson's take on it is so fresh. And mm-hmm. so that's, I think Kenneth Branagh, who um, is both playing pro... Poirot and directing in this sense, in this case, um, I think that's, that's what he was trying to do is give the murder mystery a bit of a fresh take. Um, Mm. but it just wasn't the middle part, you know, outside of the exposition, getting everybody on the train, meeting everybody. And then when he starts the interviews and they get stuck in the snow, all of that just didn't really land until Mm -hmm. towards the end. Yeah. Um, but there's, I mean, it's got a lot of things going for it. You know, um, Kenneth Branagh is a seasoned actor and director and he's, most people know him as like Gilderoy Lockhart from uh, Harry Potter 
and yeah. um, he's played lots of iconic roles over the years. Um, mm-hmm. One in Wild Wild West. Uh, <laughs> um, so, but then there's there's Johnny Depp, there's Daisy Ridley, uh, Leslie Odom Jr., Willem Dafoe, Judy Dench, Michelle. Yeah, Fuller. a lot of A-listers in there. Yeah, yeah, Josh Gad, Penelope Cruz. Um, so it really, you know, the they're doing the best they can with the material that they have and the direction that it takes. And it just doesn't, you know, it probably just doesn't have any business being almost two hours long. Like they really should have trimmed an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah. It should be like a lot shorter, but instead it's just one long drag out. It's like, get to the point. (laughs) It's like uh, they're telling one long story when in reality it's one kind of short one. Exactly. Um, So that there's, and it's, you know, the box office numbers are good. You know, it's, it's easy mm-hmm. to see that there that people are hungry for a good murder mystery and yeah. that the names in this one were enough to bring people out because the, mm-hmm. the budget was about 55 million and it made mm-hmm. 352 million. Um, so it's, that's not nothing, you know, they got their money back. Yep. Um, I definitely did. <laughs> and I, I expect that most of their $55 million budget, they filmed most of it in a train car. So, yeah. um, you know, most of that budget had to be spent on like Johnny Depp. Um, and, and some of the more famous actors that are involved, but, yeah. um, so I really, there's a lot going for it. And I think that critics are just as mixed on it as, as we are. Cause it, the Rotten Tomato mm-hmm. score is, is fresh, but just barely. Um, yeah, it's, it's like 60%. 60, yeah, 60%. Yeah. So um, I think a lot of people, I didn't really read all the other reviews, but um, I think a lot of people see it the same way I do and, or that we do. And it's just kind of, I think that it drags in the middle. Yep. And it's framed like a murder mystery when it's really not, you know, the, the big reveal that everybody had a part in it um, isn't really like, the big reveal that's not why people are watching mm-hmm. uh, or that's not why people should be watching but it's really yeah. a story about whether justice is served or not mm-hmm. and what in which case justice is served and what it takes to get justice served and um you know uh so there's there's more complicated issues than well they killed someone and that's wrong um mm-hmm. so I, I really like exploring issues like that yeah it's like if you commit the a crime in the name of justice is it really a crime right and uh and that's ultimately poirot's ultimate dilemma is just you know this guy's obviously a bad man they all killed him uh they all had a hand in killing him and we don't know which who struck the final blow for sure Mm -hmm. yep but what i do i don't think it was revealed in the movie like who was responsible for the final blow was it yeah um so michelle pfeiffer character she did it she it was her she did like the longest one at the very end but Mm -hmm. you know who's to say which one killed him right and that's not the point right yeah um so it was she had the most um she was like wearing a disguise and everything yep um so she had a couple several like stabs at the end uh, mm-hmm. in, this, in the final scene where they're reveal- he's revealing what happened um, it shows her last um, 
but you know, it's um, there are a lot of positives to the movie, and it's really well made. It looks really good. Yeah, yeah. But uh, some of it just doesn't land, and so that I think that maybe it it might take a second viewing for me to really appreciate it more. But mm-hmm. um, wasn't my favorite. Wasn't my favorite first time viewing, uh, and that's just the way it goes. Yeah, yeah. Because sometimes if you watch something for the first time, you kind of go into it wanting to like it, mm-hmm. and then towards the end of it, you're like, meh. Right. Um, so yeah. it's not like it's not going to be at the top of my rewatch list for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, probably watch it like once or twice, and then probably just. <laughs> Put it back on the shelf. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I yeah. might watch it again to, to see if I can take away anything different. But mm-hmm. otherwise, I'll probably just leave it lie. Yeah. Um, so do you have any other thoughts on that? Uh, I kind of wish that they would like take a page from another Agatha Christie book like, and then there were none. I mean, uh-huh. that had some literal murder mystery elements to it. And it didn't really kind of drag on to the point where when they got to the big reveal, it, you know, it didn't exactly, it didn't bore you. That's what right. I'm trying to say. It's mm-hmm. like, it didn't bore you. It just kept you guessing until the end where you find right. out, you know, who done it. Uh, <laughs> right. Which is why I, I read that book like, over and over for I don't know how many times is it's like I can't get and never get tired of it it's like it's that much of a murder mystery yeah and and you know I think I had the pitfall of watching this uh after Knives Out came out too and Knives Out just just totally redefined the murder mystery genre for me Mm -hmm. um it's a if you if anybody hasn't had a chance to see it I know Tiffany you haven't yet um it's really really well done Ryan Johnson is an excellent director and he always, he's really good about uh, setting things up and then paying them off. Um, and so there's, you know, when you're eagle eyed and you're watching knives out, there are clues along the way as to what really mm-hmm. happened. Yeah. Uh, and so that there's just not, it, I don't get that sense with murder on the Orient express. It's just like, it could be this guy. It could be this guy. It could be this guy. Just kidding. It's all of them. Um, yep. and it doesn't, it doesn't read very well, but it, you know, mm-hmm. since we haven't read the Agatha Christie novel, perhaps it was the direction, perhaps it was the writing. We won't know mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Um, Until we kind of had a chance to like yeah. compare the two. Exactly. Yeah. Anything else you want to add? Uh, I think that's everything. Okay. So, um, that'll wrap us up for this week. Um, thank you, Tiffany, for coming on and being my first guest of 2020. No problem. Happy to help. We, there is a new website for the Nick's Infinite Playlist podcast slash blog. Um, it's nicksinfiniteplaylist.com. There's only one blog entry on there and I have, um, an RSS feed on the side for the podcast, but I will start creating blog entries each time a podcast episode goes up and embedding it there. So if you want to listen online, this is a good and easy way to do it. Um, Otherwise you can get the podcast on anchor stitch, uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google play everywhere. There is podcast pretty much. Um, And 
we will uh, see you next time.